For the next four weeks, we are going to be in Luke chapter 5, a sermon series that doesn't really have a title because it's pretty simple. It's all about Jesus. The next four weeks, my hope is that we would be refined and that we'd be re-centered on Jesus himself. That we just get put back in place of who is Jesus, what is Jesus all about, and get that to be our mentality and the desire of our heart. And then after June 8th, we're going to move into the You Asked It sermon series, which I believe is really important because my hope is this, that I would be a good teacher at helping you understand how to use the Bible for questions that you have, and also then how to equip us on how to answer questions that people have. At the end of the day, the Bible doesn't answer all the questions. And so what I want to do is help us understand is what do we do when the Bible doesn't have an qu- answer? What does that mean? How do we take the principles of the Bible and apply it to those different, those different questions? So that's my hope over the summer months is that we tackle some of those questions uh, together. So on June 8th, which is the final Sunday of our Luke 5 series, we're going to worship at the Lumberyard, one service at 1015 on June 8th as kind of a groundbreaking service. So we'll finish up Luke chapter 5 on June 8th at the Lumberyard as kind of a dedication, transformation um, Sunday, and then we'll come back here on June 15th and continue on in our worship. So I'd encourage you to make those things a priority and find ways to get engaged. Let's open up this morning to Luke chapter 5, beginning with the first verse. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and filled both boats, that they they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let us pray. Almighty God, I ask you to take your word and refresh us in the identity of Jesus. Recenter us around the purposes of Jesus. Recreate our hearts to reflect the heart of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you'd capture our minds, capture our whole beings this morning with Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, every summer, uh, a buddy and I, Paul, who leads worship up in here, participate in a little fishing tournament thing. And so we, we take off, the two of us go, and we battle against two other guys in a, in a fishing tournament. And... Um, well, I'm a pretty good fisherman, so our team stands a pretty good chance every year of winning. A couple of years ago, we were fishing, and in the boat, we've got a boat, they've, they're in a boat, and uh, just catch the most fish, obviously. Well, you know, I'm, 
I've got two lines in the water, managing multiple things here. Um, I'm just catching a lot of fish as normal thing. The problem is my partner thing. A lot of the time he's spending on his cell phone thing, Facebooking, tweeting, sending emails, maybe catching a little nap in between things. Here I am trying to manage two lines and bringing in all these fish, maybe asking for the net every once in a while, but really carrying the load on my own oftentimes. Well, a couple of years ago, here we go, we're rolling thing. I think I was catching the most fish, at least that's what my memory was. Thing, We're catching fish, we're getting kind of to the middle of the afternoon, we're closing into the end of the fishing tournament. I mean, we're pretty confident that we're in the lead because the guys that we're fishing against, I mean, they've got age on us, but that's about all they have on us. And, uh, and so we're fishing, and they're coming over with their boat, kind of waving at us, and we're thinking, oh, this is just one of them distraction tactics, right? They're trying to get us to stop catching so they can catch up. Well, they wave over. One of the guys has got a hook in his finger thing. So they pull, oh, hey, do you got a pliers? We got to get this, this hook and the fish off of the finger. Sorry, we don't have a pliers or anything. We can't help thing. So what do we do? Go back to fishing thing, right? Thing. They can head up to shore and take care of the hook themselves. They go up to shore. They got to take the hook out the other direction, basically pull it all the way back through the finger. I mean, we weren't there watching, but it was painful hearing uh, about thing. I mean, we caught a lot of fish, if I remember correctly, and I, I assume we won that fishing tournament thing. Now, everybody's got a good fishing story, right? And all of us have heard a fishing story thing. What do you remember about my fishing story? Well, the, but you forgot. You remember the hook, but you also, you forgot that I'm a really good fisherman thing. Didn't you hear all of the fish calling for the net? So we hear all of these fishing stories all the time, right? What do we remember? We usually remember something weird that happened or maybe one big fish. That's about all we remember is that big moment. We've all heard a lot of fishing stories even about Jesus. We've heard a lot of crazy stories from Jesus. Jesus walking on water. Jesus taking five loaves and feeding 5,000. And then in our story today, Jesus taking out boats and filling up the nets to the point where the boats are sinking. We know these stories really well. For the majority of us, we've heard these stories maybe hundreds of times. We know the stories. The question is not, do we know the stories? But do we know Jesus who is in the story? My concern today is that you and I have grown up with so much knowledge about Jesus, so much routine around Christianity, that there is a chance that we could lose Jesus himself. Have you ever had something that's become such a habit for you, you don't even think about it anymore? I worked at a golf course for a couple of summers, and my job was to change the cup on the greens every morning. So I would show up, change the cup on the greens, go about my stuff, and did that for two summers, and you go, go, go. Came back my third summer, there's a new greenskeeper there. I show up. He had told me when we had met, you know, the new way that we were doing things. He had a different schedule that we were following and a different pattern that we were following for moving the cups. Show up first day on the job, move all the cups, get done. Boss comes up and says, 
what are you doing? Moving the cups. Well, do you not remember what we talked about? Oh, yes, that's right, thing. I had just done it the same way I'd always done it. Next day, show up, move all the cups. Hey, do you not remember the conversation we had yesterday? Oh, that's right, thing. I had been so ingrained. How long did it take me? Three tries. Finally, after three, I got a great. Yes, we're doing something different. We can get so ingrained in something, it becomes part of us. We just go on. We don't think. We don't take time to reflect. We just assume what's going on is right. And there's a chance that so many of us that are so familiar with the Bible, so familiar with Christianity in the general sense, that we just go through the motions and maybe, just maybe, we've actually been missing something all along. And I'm saying we are. I'm saying we at least have to take the time to consider and reflect, are we missing Jesus? And what do we find here in Luke chapter 5 about Jesus? The great danger for you and I today is not that we walk away from the church and start following someone completely different other than Jesus. The challenge for you and I today is that we buy into a little truth that changes Jesus just a little bit. It's obvious when something is completely wrong, right? I mean, it's obvious when somebody comes up to you and says, well, Mary really wasn't a virgin when Jesus was born. We know, I mean, right away you're able to say, hey, that's just false teaching. So the devil doesn't try and just do a 180, just tweak it a little bit, just move us, keep using the same language, keep talking about Jesus and love. I mean, it sounds good, but it's tweaked just a little bit. The danger for us is that we tweak Jesus just a little bit to fit who we are as people. In other words, we start following a self-created Jesus. Pastor and author Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. In other words, if God never causes you to change, if you never have to reorient your thinking or your doing, maybe all you're doing is believing and following a God whom you have created. Therefore, you're really not following any God at all. You're following and believing in your own creation. Very simply put, are we following a God that only fits in our box? How many times do we hear the phrase, well, I just couldn't believe in a God like that. So what you're telling me is that you can only believe in a God who does things that you agree with, who fits in your way of thinking, a self-created God, so really no God at all. The question before us is, are we following a self-created Jesus? Or are we following the Jesus revealed to us in the Bible? And maybe this question will help you understand and examine your own life this morning and ask yourself this question. When was the last time that I reoriented my thinking on a subject? Or when is the last time I changed how I do something? When is the last time I stopped doing something? 
When is the last time I began to do something new? Because of Jesus. Have you reoriented your thinking at all? Have you ever stopped something? Have you ever started doing something new because of Jesus? If you haven't done any of that, this morning we should tremble a little bit. That basically all we're doing then is creating a Jesus where we don't have to change or we don't have to get uncomfortable. But Luke 5 gives us a good picture of who Jesus is and what the purposes of Jesus are. So we look at Luke chapter 5 this morning and a very familiar fish story here in verses 1 through 11. But this is not about the fish at all. We're not supposed to walk away from the story going, wow, Peter got a load of fish. That must have been a good cash in in his business. It's not about fish at all. Rather, it's about the authority and the greatness of Jesus. It's first about the authority of Jesus. Look, with you would, with, look if you would with me at Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, While the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Why are all these people gathering around Jesus? They're gathering around Jesus because Jesus has been out teaching, and it tells us in the Gospels that Jesus taught as one who had authority. People were always like, well, who is this guy? He teaches differently. And then it says, he taught as one who had authority. So people were coming to hear what? The word of God. God speak to them. They were coming to hear someone who had authority. And then we see down here, verse, verse 4, we see the authority lived out. Jesus says to Simon, he says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So Jesus gives an order here to Simon. Now look at Simon's response. Master, we've been going all night and we haven't caught a thing. Now remember, like myself, Peter is a professional fisherman. And so, so Peter's got a little bit of experience, a little bit of knowledge of what's going on. And so Peter's basically saying to Jesus here, hey, um, Jesus, our experience and our knowledge tells us there is no need to go back out. You know, he says here, we've toiled all night. In other words, Jesus, we've already tried it. Our experience says no. Then look what he says next. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Your version may say, nevertheless. Basically, what Peter is saying here is he's saying, hey, our experience and our logic says don't go farther out and let down the nets. However, Jesus, you're saying it, we're going. Why? Because Jesus has authority. Jesus is not a counselor with a variety of good options. This is what we've made Jesus into. We've made Jesus into a nice man that can be approached and will listen and then give you some help, some different tips of how to improve. If you look at the teachings of Jesus, Jesus does not give tips. He does not give options. He gives straightforward teaching because he has authority. And he actually finishes his ministry in Matthew 28 by saying, all authority has been given unto me. That's the whole point here. Jesus has authority and Peter recognizes it. He says, at your word, even though logic and experience was saying something else. The same is true for you and I today. 
logic and experience and feelings will oftentimes say one thing. But that's not what we obey. What we obey is what? Jesus at your word. What if we became at your word people? People that said, we're not going to listen to experience. We're not going to listen to logic. We're going to listen to Jesus. Because Jesus has authority. What happens? They listen to Jesus and what happens? They go out into the lake and now we see the next thing about Jesus. They start to catch fish. Almost as many fish as we usually bring in on our boats. They start to bring enough fish in that they start to sink. Now remember, these are not boats with really nice motors where they can be like, hey, we're just going to run to shore really quick, drop off this load and come back out. They're doing the old oar thing. So they're calling for other boats. Hey, bring them out. They're sinking. This is not just like, hey, we, we caught one. No, they've got full nets. I mean, the competition that we fish against gets excited about one catch. But for Paul and I, we get excited about multiple fish. Guess what Peter's catching here? They're catching netfuls of fish. And what's going on? They're like, what? whoa, this is beyond just catching the biggest fish in the lake. Because what does Peter do? He says to Jesus, Jesus, leave. I'm a sinner. That's what he says. He says, depart from me. That doesn't make any sense. Peter, you've got enough sail for the rest of the month here. But what does Peter say? Get Jesus, just leave. Why? Because Peter sees the greatness of Jesus. And there's no other response to the greatness of Jesus than, whoa, Jesus, you're magnificent. I'm unworthy. I'm a golfer as well as a fisherman and just as good a golfer as I am fisherman. Think. You know, one of the worst things to do in golf is have to stand at the tee box with really good golfers. So you show up at the tee box and the first couple golfers tee off, so I, I tee off and you know, you're hitting it 300 yards right down the middle. So then you've got three and four hitters behind you. You know, what are they thinking? Oh boy. I do not want to teach. This is going to be embarrassing. Oh, I kind of got a sore shoulder, and, and I've just been playing with my irons lately, just going 100 yards at a time. Why? Because now they've seen greatness, and all they can think about is, this is going to be a long round. So what? You don't want to play with someone great. You want to play with someone around your own level, right? Because then you don't look so bad. Because when you're in the presence of greatness, it becomes obvious really quickly that you yourself have fallen short. You see, what happens is Peter's in the presence of greatness to the point that he says, leave, Jesus, your magnificence I can't even handle because I'm a wrongdoer. How about if you and I stood today in the presence of Jesus? There'd be no other response then Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, you've loved all these people and I can't even love the people that I like. There's no other response in the presence of greatness than woe is me. And Peter gives that response. What we see from Jesus in the boat is we see his authority. Not only do we see his authority, but we see his greatness. This man is amazing. 
But look at what happens next. Jesus does not flex his authority or flash his greatness to leave Peter and others in a state of fear and failure. Jesus does not flex his authority or flash his greatness to leave you and I in a state of fear and failure. Notice what he says next to Peter. He says, Peter, whoa, don't be afraid. In other words, hey, I got this. There's no need to worry. And then he says, now you're going to go and do something completely different. You're going to catch people. So he says to Peter, hey, Peter, you're now going to participate in God's grand plan of reaching people. You're going to become a fisherman, fisher of men. So Peter was living in fear. Jesus, leave. Peter was living in failure. I am a sinful man. But what does Jesus do? Do not be afraid. Your failure does not disqualify you. I'm your Savior. Jesus does not leave us in our fear and failure. But rather, Jesus takes His authority and His greatness and He decides to use us alongside Him to accomplish God's grand plan of reaching people. Jesus flexes His authority, He flashes His greatness, and then He issues a call. Let's go find more people. And this is what happens when Jesus acts. You know how most of the time a lot of people want to show off why? Because they want other people to know that they're great. And they want to put other people in their place. They want to remind people who's in charge. They want to remind people who's great at this. Jesus does not flex his muscle, his authority, for the sake of, hey, hey. He flexes his authority to accomplish the purposes of God. And he flashes his greatness that we would just be endeared to him. And then he issues a call to us. He says, let's go. Let's go catch some people. This story is not about fish at all. This story is about the one who can load up multiple boats with enough fish to sink them. This story is about the one who gives directions that oftentimes go against logic and experience. This story is about Jesus. How about you today? Have you submitted to this authority? Have you seen the greatness through the forgiveness of your sins? We go back to the question, have you reoriented anything in your life? Have you stopped doing anything? Have you started doing anything new because of Jesus? When we meet the Jesus revealed in this story, there's no choice but to reorient our life. There's no choice but to stop doing certain things. And there's no choice but to start doing new things because he's calling us to join in his plan. This story is not about fish. This story is about a beautiful Savior. This story is about a king who has all authority, but chose to come and live here on earth and live the perfect life and then die the perfect death 
so that you and I could be forgiven and then Him conquer the grave so that we'd have the promise of eternal life forever. We need to stop talking about the fish and start talking about the one who can catch the fish, Jesus Himself. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks that You are patient with us. We give thanks this morning that You have extreme greatness and magnificence that goes way beyond anything we can even imagine or think. God, right now I ask that You would soften our hearts to Your authority. Help us to say yes. Help us to say no. We pray, O Lord, that You'd give us the ability to be at Your Word people. And Lord, we thank You for the call that You've placed upon our lives to go get people. And Lord, I ask that You'd now empower us to be people that seek to catch other people to be Your followers. God, we thank You and we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning, we've got the opportunity to interact with this God, with this One who has all authority and all greatness. And this morning, we experience His greatness we experience His authority by coming forward to receive His body and His blood. We first experience His greatness in the fact that He meets us right here in simple common elements of wine and bread. We experience His greatness and that He died on our behalf. But then we also experience His authority this morning and that He uses these words, Your sins are forgiven. And so this morning, you come forward to experience the authority of Jesus. And my prayer this morning is that you can come and receive Jesus today and believe in His name. And so we turn our hearts to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to receive instruction from God's Word. The Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. How do we prepare to meet this king how do we prepare to meet this one who has all authority? God's word says to us, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on themselves. This morning, the way in which we receive the Lord's gift to us is by having the same response that Peter had in the boat. Lord, I am a sinful man. I'd encourage you today to examine your own hearts and to acknowledge your need for a Savior and say the phrase, Lord, I am a sinful person in need of your forgiveness because you're about to experience greatness. You're about to hear words of authority shed for you, broken for you. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks for the sacrifice of your Son. We ask now, O oh Lord, that you would examine our hearts. Grant us the ability to confess our sin. Grant us the ability 
to believe in Jesus. We ask now, O Lord, that You would take the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Take it and nourish us, strengthen us, and restore us to relationship unto You and one another. We thank You and we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen.